Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. How do real-life robotic limbs today compare to the futuristic limbs of the $6 million man from 30 years ago? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Richard Harvey, associate professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, and medical director of the Center for Stroke Rehabilitation at the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. Welcome, Dr. Harvey. Thank you very much. Today, we are discussing robotics and stroke rehabilitation. Dr. Harvey, what is robotics and how does it relate to stroke rehabilitation? Well, as you know, after a stroke, if it, say, results in hemiplegia or paralysis on one side of the body, uh, these people have a hard time using their affected side. And we know now from plenty of research that controlled, skilled training with the upper limb or with walking can improve motor recovery via neuroplasticity in the central nervous system. And with adequate, intensive, repetitive training, people can recover their ability to use and control their affected side. Robotics are a way to supplement regular therapy by giving patients the ability to practice skilled motor movements with a high level of repetition and with feedback from the robot to tell them how are they performing and perhaps even in the future give them some physical assistance in relearning how to use their body. In my mind's eye, I'm having a problem picturing what this robotic therapy would be like. Could you help me out here? As opposed to the bionic man, most robots are not, for stroke patients, are not being replacing body parts. What they're doing is they're more like orthotics. You know, sort of like your classic leg brace or wrist support splint, but they're active. They are engineered and they have motors. A really good robot, if I were to make up the best robot possible, would be able to detect what activity and what kind of movement I can make myself, say, with my arm or my leg. It can also know what the intended movement is that I want to do. And it can give me just enough assistance to complete the movement and yet force me to still do my part. As I improve in my skill, it backs off and lets me do more of the work until I'm doing all the work by myself and the robot is there just going for the ride. Now, as a surgeon, I'm certainly quite familiar with prosthetics for lower limbs after we do amputations, but recently on the news there was a patient who received a lower limb prosthetic that had an active robotic ankle joint. Is this what you're referring to? Yes, but instead of replacing the ankle, this would be a brace that would go around the ankle and would have a motor in it that would help assist in driving the ankle. So, for example, there is a robot out on the market called the Locomat. The locomat is a knee-ankle-foot orthosis with a motor connecting the two 
leggings that attach to both the right and the left leg and provide pelvic support. And it sits on top of a treadmill. So I can take a patient with stroke and I can put them into these leggings. And this is a person who can't walk on their own. And once into this system, the motors can help drive a normal walking pattern over a treadmill. And that person with the stroke can feel and receive the sensory feedback of their leg actually moving through a normal gait cycle. The question, of course, is does this help them walk better on their own? And that's the goal. The goal is to get them away from the robot and able to do things on their own. The robot is merely a therapeutic intervention to help them get there. So it's not used for someone to use routinely to help them ambulate. It's only used as a training? Most of the robots available now are used for training because, first of all, they're too expensive and they're, they're too bulky. They're too heavy. So you can't really take them anywhere. So this locomat, which is a treadmill with a orthotic robot attached to it, it can give a patient an opportunity to start walking and then eventually they're going to get out of it. So a therapist helps kind of guide the program. The advantage of the robot is that the robot doesn't get tired. If you have a therapist working with you on a treadmill and, and having to help advance your leg and keep your pelvis in the right position as you practice walking, the therapist is going to run out of juice in about 15 minutes. And that doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to practice walking. The robot can go for hours. And that's one advantage of robots. But that's not to say that there are not robots being developed that you would actually use functionally and carry with you. There actually is one that is now on the market called the Myomo E100 Neurorobotic System. It triggers off EMG with service electrodes, and it's an arm orthotic that when you initiate motor activity in your elbow flexors to flex your elbow or your elbow extensors to extend your elbow, the robot detects that EMG and helps assist with the full movement because people with stroke can't often make the whole movement. And that one you can actually use you can walk around and perform activities with it. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Richard Harvey, associate professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, and medical director of the Center for Stroke Rehabilitation at the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. We are talking about robotics and stroke rehabilitation. Dr. Harvey, is robotics a field that will be the future of rehabilitation medicine for strokes? I think it is a field that will help propel stroke rehabilitation and rehabilitation in general in the future. But it's never going to take the patient away from a live therapist who will touch them and assist them because people still need that human contact. But what the robotic will allow is for people to practice more independently and get more experience with their training. I think the challenge in the future, though, to actually get robotics to be incorporated in clinical care comes down to the engineering. The engineering behind these robotics is so complicated, and engineers really struggle to come up with the right answers for achieving their goals. And I believe that it really comes down to the robotic patient interface.
Because if you have a robot that's too heavy or pushes you around too much, that becomes unpleasant and you're not going to accept it. So a robot has to be lightweight, it has to work with the patient, and it has to be very sensitive to changes. Now, right now, we can have some robots that nearly achieve that by moving major limbs, parts of the limb, like your hips and your knees. For things like the fingers and the thumb, the robots really aren't there yet because the movements are too complicated and the devices are too bulky. But, you know, who knows in the future, we may see some pretty phenomenal work coming from engineers. The engineers who design these robotics, do they get input from people like yourselves and neurologists and therapists? Yeah, the beauty of the field of physical medicine rehabilitation is that ever since we started after World War II, we realized that the best way to care for our patients is to use a team approach. And so in our field, and in our hospitals, everybody works together. We're always interacting with each other and talking to each other. Engineers are probably the newest folks to enter our field. They're not typically educated in anything with regard to biology or human physiology. But it's interesting. There are some really, really excellent engineers out there who really have spent time learning that, learning physiology, learning neurophysiology. And now I think there's a whole field growing up that engineers can choose to go into biomechanics and learn neurophysiology. So I think you're going to see many more engineers in the future who specialize in that field. I hate to ask this question, but these robotics must be very expensive, and certainly this is not common therapy in this present time. How do the insurance companies feel about remunerating your facility, the physical therapist, the patients for this added expense? Well, it's not simple. They are expensive. Some of these robots cost anywhere from two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000. And as is any time you have a new product, you know, the idea is that the first products are going to be expensive, but if you wait long enough and more and more people buy them and they're working well, then the price drops. So we saw that with the calculator in the 1970s, and we'll probably see it with the iPhone in the next few years. But in rehabilitation, that process takes a lot longer. So I think we're, we're talking about 10, 20 years before we come up with useful robotics at a reasonable price. And your personal experience with robotics, have you had a lot of patients using this? Well, at the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, we're actually developing several robotics. We have the Locomat that I described, and we're doing modifications on it to make it a smarter robot. We have several upper limb robotics. We have one fellow who's doing a study looking at whether error augmentation helps people recover. And what that is is that when somebody with a stroke, say, reaches with their arm to a target, They usually don't take the best pathway to get there. They kind of take this abnormal pathway, and they really struggle to reach their target. What this engineering is doing is develop a robot that basically pushes them not only in the direction of a a correct targeting, but beyond that target. So that that basically they, they make a bigger mistake the opposite direction. And if they practice that big mistake the opposite direction, and then you take the robot away, all of a sudden when they reach, they hit the target right on. So it's almost like you take their error, make it the opposite way, and somehow their central nervous system comes back to a a middle ground that's the correct targeting. So we're doing all sorts of experiments like that with many different kinds of robotic things. We're also incorporating virtual reality into some of our robotic training devices. How's that? 
Well, you actually, what you do is you create a computer-generated three-dimensional environment where the person can actually practice doing functional tasks with a completely computer-generated world. And so we have people who can take robotic-assisted devices and use them to grab virtual cubes and move those cubes around. Now, we're not quite there yet. This is very early. We don't actually have a clinical trial on a robotic that we're working on, but we're working on the concept and the mechanics and the engineering at this time. I want to thank Dr. Richard Harvey, who has been our guest. We have been discussing robotics and stroke rehabilitation. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.